Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Well, we'll get started. Uh, I have a couple of things I want to ask you this morning. I need your participation here in the very, very beginning, okay? I'm going to say what could be perceived as a number of some sort, all right? And I want to get your first response, okay? All right, what, what does this number make you think of? 1776. Hamilton. Hamilton. USA. United States Declaration of Independence, all right? All right, so that's cool. All right, here's one, 2020. COVID. COVID. What else could 2020 be if you're not thinking of a year? Vision. A vision. So it's like a bad year, but great vision. All right, so it depends on the perspective you're looking at here. Uh, Here's one of my favorite ones. Ready? Eight, six, seven. There we go. I knew some people would be with me. (laughs) That's Jenny's phone number. If you don't know, eight six seven five three zero nine eight six seven five three zero nine. See, it's, I knew it was a few people that really blessed you uh, at the beginning, and others now it's blessing you now. All right, how about this number? Ready? One point two billion people on the world. No, I think that's seven billion. I think. Yeah, one point two billion. It's very recent, as of this week. The jackpot. Oh, the jackpot. I'm actually impressed you didn't just jump out and say that. All right. We're talking today about the inhumanity of greed, and this is the, the set text for us to look at, and we're going to see how sometimes God just designed something, and it just fits right in with where the world is. So this week, this text comes on the heels of someone winning $1.2 billion jackpot. I mean, they don't get to take home that much money. But that's how much the jackpot was uh, Friday night, and there was uh, the holders of the, the winning ticket in uh, Illinois uh, have a ton of money. In fact, they can quote Forrest Gump when he said, yes, sir, we got more money than Davy Crockett. All right? They've got a lot of money right now. And so we're going to see how easily greed can just drive our humanity away from us that it can destroy us, that it can do all kinds of things. And this week was, I mean, it was, there, was a vibe, there was a vibe, right? People were like talking about these, these lottery tickets and we're going to go, man, $1.2 billion, I could do a lot of things. Um, and you could do a lot of things. And so the, the text today is, is going to talk about how money is not a bad thing, but greed is. And let's dive into the text. So let's just read it to, to begin with. We're in Luke chapter 12. Verse 13 through 21, and uh, we'll jump in here. Jesus is the the main character of this story. Uh, But someone in the crowd said to him, and this is the hymn, there is Jesus. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, he's like, man. It wasn't that way. He's like, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. And then he said to them, Jesus, Jesus saying to the people, 
Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we dive into your word, I pray that your truth and your wisdom would go deeply into our own hearts so that we would truly understand what it is that you're speaking to us through this text today. May your Holy Spirit reign supremely, and may our hearts become close to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So greed is a terrible thing, and the first point, I don't have these on the screen today, so maybe you can just write them down if you have them, but the first point I would say for us, there are four of them today, is that greed divides families. Greed divides. You could just even just say greed divides if you want because it not only divides families, but can business partners and all kinds of relationship that greed can cause division within. So greed divides. So someone in the crowd was asking Jesus a question, and the question itself wasn't necessarily bad, but the motive behind the question was, and Jesus being who he is, could see through that. So here's what the question was that came to Jesus in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. In fact, it technically wasn't a question, was it? It was like, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance, the family inheritance with me. What he's saying is, I want my portion. I want my share. And we may even see, too, as we go through this just a little bit further, that he was asking for more than his share. He was asking for more because there was greed there. In Numbers chapter 27, in a couple of spots, oh, in 27 and 36, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 21, we see some inheritance laws that are in the Old Testament which would have been very applicable to this situation at the time when he asked Jesus or told Jesus you know, to, to divide. And so Jesus was wise to understanding the situation. And so the younger son, which is most likely who this guy is, he's going to the rabbi, which is Jesus' teacher. Teacher means rabbi. So he's actually acknowledging Jesus honorably. Like, you have the, the authority to tell my brother what to do. Do that. Tell him what to do. Tell him to divide it up. Well, he's the younger son. Most likely, instead of letting the law do what the law would do, he's wanting more than what the law would give him. So he's kind of stepping overstepping his bounds and wanting to get more from his older brother because he's wanting to have a more advanced status in the community and he's wanting to have a more advanced status within the family. But the way it's happening, he's doing it at the expense of his older brother. The older brother gets more of a portion. He gets a double portion because the older brother has more responsibilities in this day, in that day. And so in, the, in the, this day of the story. 
And so he has more responsibility, so he gets a double portion because he has to carry on the father's business going forward. The younger ones get a portion, and they don't have that responsibility. And so he's saying, I want more of the portion at my older brother's expense. And so it was common for rabbis to be recognized as the authority. He's acknowledging that. But here's the deal. While he's acknowledging the authority of who Jesus is, he's acknowledging it for selfish reasons. Jesus replied to him, he says, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And so he's doing a good thing. I'm acknowledging you, Jesus. But Jesus sees to the heart of who he is. And he was like, you're trying to use my authority for selfish reasons to get what you want to elevate your status. So one of the first things applicably for us that I thought of was in the same way, Jesus has authority over our lives. He's more than a rabbi. He's, he's a Lord. We can acknowledge Him as Lord. We can call Him Lord and we can acknowledge His authority. But we, if we're not careful, can also be susceptible to using His authority and His Lordship for our own selfish reasons. Like, I'm acknowledging you, Lord, so now give me what I want. Give me what I need. We could be doing this when it comes for money. I need more money for whatever issues I have. Help me hit the lottery, Lord. I'll do good things with it. You know, uh, this is all for you, Jesus. That's the reason I want to win it, right? Because I want to bless your kingdom because you really need that money. Jobs. If I had this better job, if I had a better relationship, it could elevate my status. We want our status to be raised. If we're not careful, we can be selfish and we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're honoring Jesus when really... Our goal is to honor ourselves. That's where we have to be careful. Greed divides. Not only can it divide us from other people, but it can actually divide us from the Lord to where we don't have that close relationship with Him. So the second one is this. So the first one is greed divides. The second one is kind of a, not kind of, it is a negative. Possessions do not bring life. Possessions do not bring life. When we get focused on raising our status in the, in the realm of what's going on around us, then it's going to lead us to find life or security. Maybe that's a better way to say it, to have a security in our life through getting a house, through getting a job, through getting more money. If I only had this, 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 then I would finally be secure. But Jesus is offering something different. He's saying the only thing that's going to make you secure in life is entrusting your life to me. Because these things can be taken away from you. Jesus tells them, his response, he says in verse 15, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Not just like there's one kind of greed, but greed is very sneaky. It sneaks in all kinds of different ways. And he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Very clear principle that God is saying. You're not secure because you win the $1.2 billion. That doesn't give you security. And there was an article that came out this week because I was fascinated with it too. Um, there was an article that talked about, and it, and it gave 10 people who won the lottery and, and their lives were destroyed afterwards. Like it just, it was too much for them. And there was one guy right before his death said, I wish I had never cashed that ticket. You know, he lost his wife, his kids, and some terrible things happened as a result of all the greed and, and things that came into there. He wasn't ready for it. 
And so life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Secure life comes through entrusting your life to Jesus. So that, that kind of leads us to the next one, and I'm going to spend a little more time on those. So just real quick, life doesn't come from possessions. It comes from entrusting God. And the third one is this. Greed destroys. So greed divides. Possessions don't bring life. And then greed destroys. It not only divides, but it destroys. Jesus did a wonderful thing here by telling a story and helping people understand what he was trying to, to teach them. Instead of just saying, greed destroys, he's like, listen to this story. So he told them the parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So typically, this, he, this guy was already rich, all right? He had plenty already. And then the harvest, by no work of his own, I mean, a, a plant, I mean, you do your part to, to, to weed your garden or whatever and to, to water and all those things that you do to nurture that. But ultimately, the, the harvest is something that happens as a result of the, the seed and the light and a lot of factors that we don't have control over. And so this abundance comes in and his thought, instead of like, I have all that I need, how can I use this to bless others? His thought shifts over to, I need to store this and have even more for myself. So there's greed that's happening here. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And they are his crops, aren't they? They are his crops. So we need to understand they are his crops. It is something for his responsibility. But the shift happens to what am I going to do with what's mine? How am I going to honor the Lord and, and do what's right? So he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. So you see the word surplus there too, is that he has more than he needs. Instead of it going into the marketplace to, and maybe even going to people that need grain, there used to be a time where they would have the outer parts of the fields were, were there for people to come in and pick from there. It was kind of the way of giving to the poor. And so instead of thinking about ways that he could bless others with it, he's like, I'm going to hoard this for myself and just build bigger barns, have more security. I have all that I need and I'll be fine. Me, 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 me. So greed is destroying. His barns were fine. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. It doesn't say old barns. They're just not big enough yet. They're not old. They're not decrepit. They're just too big to hold what he has. And so instead of seeing this as something to bless others, he's holding it for himself. So he says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up, for, laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I like that part, actually. Sometimes I fantasize about just um, taking life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? It sounds fun, right? So I, I get this. I know what he's saying. If, if that, if that $1.2 billion comes in, what are you going to do with your job? <laughs> right? You know, you probably eat, drink, and be merry for a little bit and maybe, you know, go from there. But still, this is his thought process. I have all that I need. And I'm sympathetic toward this too because in times of lack, when you don't have what you need, that's almost sometimes all you can focus on. Like, I don't have what I need. And in these times of finally having, like, finally I can rest. But greed destroys. It not only destroys barns that are fine, but are going to be torn down so newer ones can be built or bigger ones, but it destroys lives. It destroys us. 
Because he said, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, which means that this very night you're going to die. It's over. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? All this stuff you've prepared for yourself, you can't use for yourself now, so it's a waste. Who's going to get it? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. You may have the big barns for a while here on earth, but eventually your life will be required from you. You may have your name on the big building out here for even centuries, even beyond your lifetime, but eventually your life will be required from you. Somebody else is going to take possession of your possessions. Greed destroys, but it also destroys the people around us. Because instead of that money and that grain being used, and this is a story, okay? This is a parable. This doesn't actually happen. But he's teaching a story. Teaching through a story. In this scenario, the people around him would have been destroyed too. So instead of it going to where it should have gone, it's going to be fought over by whoever heirs he may have. We can't hold on to what we have. Greed destroys us. I forget what book. That, I want to say it's Where the Red Fern Grows. If it's not, it's something like that because it's one of the few books I read when I was younger. I'm pretty sure it's that, but there was a, a way that they would catch raccoons, all right? So they would like drill a hole in a log and they would put a nail, like the holes here, and a nail would come in this way and a nail would come in that way and they would put something shiny at the bottom of the hole and a raccoon would come across and they would see the shiny thing and they would reach in with a cl- uh, an open hand, grab it, which raccoons have really cool hands, by the way, they look just like ours. If you ever see their prints on the ground, it looks like little human hands. Like, always fascinated when I was in the woods hunting. Um, and so they reach in and they grab it, but once they grab the shiny thing, now they have a fist. And they try to bring it out, and those nails won't let their fist come out. All they have to do, though, is let go, and they could pull their hand out. But they won't let go, because they want that. And in a lot of ways, greed is the same way. Like we, we want something so much that we won't let go of it and, it, and it traps us, and it can cost us our life. Greed destroys us. But finally, number four, the, the final point is this. Generosity blesses. Greed dis- destroys, but generosity blesses. So the antithesis, the moral antithesis, which is the opposite, right, of greed is generosity generosity. What do we do with what God's already given to us? And a very simple principle that we could follow is, how am I being generous and rich toward God with what I have right now, not what I hope to have one day? It's almost like the same principle in a relationship. If someone's not treating you well right now when you're dating, why would you think they're going to treat you well when you get married? It's not going to change. That principle transitions right over So if you're not generous with what you have right now, why should you think you'll be generous when you get X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you're needing in life? How can I be generous right now with what I have? There's a proverb that really speaks to this. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. It says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 
God blesses us when we bless others. So my encouragement today is the inhumanity of greed destroys us, but our true humanity, our true image-bearing humanity of God is seen clearly when we are generous in spirit to each other, to those in need, with what we already have. Well, I don't have a lot of money to give to people. It's not just about money. It's about time. It's about a listening ear. It's about a text message. We're generous with our prayers earlier as we prayed for our church member and his, uh, his family member this morning when we first got started in prayer. We're generous with our time, our thoughts, our prayers. What is it that we have that we can be blessing others with? Because when we bless others, we bless God. The simple principle, God says, First uh, John, I think it's First John, how can you say you love God when you hate your brothers? Like, How can you say you love a God you haven't seen when you can't even stand the people that you're around right now? And the love of God is seen clearly in us when we love the people around us. The generosity in our heart is easily seen when we're generous with what we already have. And if we're generous with what we already have, the more we give, the more God is going to give to us to be responsible with. Because He knows they're not going to build these big barns and just keep it for themselves so they can eat, drink, and be merry. Of course you can eat, of course you can drink, of course you can be merry, but don't do all those things at once. And I'm kidding, that's not what He's saying. But He's saying that the focus is not to, to have all these things so that I can have my life and have it easy. The focus of things, materials, and things that God gives us is to be rich toward Him and say, God, you've blessed me with this. How can I bless you by being generous with the people around me. The inhumanity of greed is the antidote for that is the humanity of generosity. And the way we fuel our spirit with the generosity is this. Jesus had every right to stay on that cross and to say, I'm done with a lot of them. They're just, they're, even the ones that are close to him, they can't get it right. Peter just cut a guy's ear off and I had to sew it back, or not sew it back on, but I had to heal his ear back, you know, miraculously. These people just don't get it. I'm just done with all of them. And of course the people were, that were mocking and cursing him down there too. But he didn't. He was generous in spirit and he said, all right, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to give my life for them. And I'm even going to pray for these ones that are taunting me and cursing me and spitting on me and beating me. I'm going to pray, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That is a generous spirit. And that's the generous spirit that you've received through your faith in Christ. That's the generous spirit that we receive when we go to the Lord's table and we receive His body and His blood. So let's pray and let's thank God together for His generosity. Lord, we bless You. We love You. You are a generous, good, faithful, loving God. And we ask, Lord, that our hearts will be touched by Your generosity, that we would see clearly how wonderful you are to us, that we would feel and experience clearly and powerfully your presence in our lives so that we would be transformed to be generous humans, generous image bearers of God. Lord, we bless you and we love you and we thank you for this story that reminds us that while greed destroys, generosity blesses. In the name of of the risen Savior, we pray, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.